0: Welcome to Edge Leadership and Beyond, surviving and thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It is show number 84, and excited to be back with you and be back on here on uh, Education Leadership Beyond, hashtag ELB. We'd like to welcome in our listening audience live on Facebook. We're headed to iTunes, Voice Ed Radio Canada. Welcome to all our, our Canadian listeners and certainly our audience on Disrupted TV. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for uh, being part of the show. For all those that love the intro music, I had some technical difficulties here and I did not get the music queued up. So I apologize for that. Uh, But thanks for tuning in everyone. Uh, We're gonna get started here in a moment. Today's guest uh, is Dr. Robert Zayas. Uh, We're gonna meet Dr. Robert here in a moment. He is the New York uh, State High School there's my mom watching. Hey, Mom. Uh, he is the New York State High School uh, Director of uh, High School Sports, the Athletic Association. Uh, he is the statewide director, and we're looking to forward uh, looking forward to talking to Robert about leadership, high school sports, and uh, the amazing story of how he got his doctorate. So we're going to meet Robert here in a moment. Uh, a quick shout-out. I would like to uh, recognize today's sponsor, uh, Rocketbook. I was just showing Dr. Uh, Rob about the uh, Rocketbook and uh, what it can do for you. So I just met Dr. Robert today and we're going to uh, take some notes during the show. So what Rocketbook is, is a reusable notebook. And uh, if you're busy like me, if you're someone that's busy, if you're a school leader, certainly Dr. Zayas is busy being the director of the New York State High School Athletic Association. Uh, But if you're in meetings, uh, your to-do list, all of that, you can put it right here in this notebook and uh, you can designate uh, where you would like it to go. So I have these spots here. These are all my different Google drives, emails, text message. You just mark the bottom of the page and you're, it'll go there. And then when you're done, you could just wipe the page down. So it's amazing. Uh, I'm really happy with it. And I'm really happy that um, Rocketbook is working with me and, and sponsoring the show marada 20 is the discount code. You can get 20% off uh, Mirada 20. Uh, go to rocketbook.com and uh, check out their, the different size books. I got the full size and uh, it's really a great tool. So uh, if you do want to use that discount code, punch in marada 20, you'll get 20% off your purchase. Uh, and the big one here, I forgot the price, whether it was between 30 and 40 bucks somewhere in there. So uh, I love it. So thank you to Rocketbook. Well, let's get started. Talking high school sports, talking high school athletics. Uh, and while we have Dr. Zayas on the program here, uh, if you do want to leave us a, a, a question, uh, please do so. Kelly uh, Daughtry's on there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to see who that is uh, here in a moment. But leave us a question, leave us a comment. We like to interact with our, our viewers uh, here on the show, and uh, it's an interesting aspect of being live. So please do that. So, in preparing for the show and getting ready for Dr. Z, Uh, I was thinking about high school sports, right? If you're a high school educator, if you're a school leader, why are those sports important for the kids? And what does it bring to the table for those student athletes? I was a high school athlete. My mom is watching. I got to play high school basketball at the uh, historic Zaverian High School in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, uh, home of the Clippers, home of Chris Mullen, uh, our, our most famous basketball alum. And uh, it was a great experience, right? I remember my parents taking me to all those games all around New York City, and just a tremendous experience. But why is high school participation in sports so important? We're certainly going to ask that question to Dr. Zayas, uh, but I jotted down just a couple of thoughts. Number one, exercise and fitness, right? We hear so much about teens today and uh, being on the phone and not being active. When you're involved in sports, man, I was at my, my Port Jervis Raiders uh, track meet yesterday and man, jumping hurdles, jumping the high jump, the long jump, throwing stuff. It was it was crazy. It was amazing. Uh, tough loss to Monticello, but uh, it was awesome. So number one, exercise and fitness. Number two, competition, right? It's important for kids to compete. It's important. We're in that generation now of everyone gets a trophy. But you know what? When you're you, When you're battling for first place and you're working hard and you want to beat that other person, that Those are life skills that are very important. And certainly in high school, it gets more competitive. So not only the competition uh, against another athlete, but that competition to make the team. I remember in high school, there was 100 kids that tried out for my freshman basketball team. And they only took 12. You talk about competition. And it's going to be just like that when you go for a job interview. So those things are are, are very important. Uh, in terms of competition. The next thing is being part of a team, right? Learning to interact with others, learning to share with others. Maybe it's not all about you. Maybe you are sitting on the bench, right? I sat a lot on the bench and who knew it would help me in my officiating career later in life. I heard a great story lately about uh, recently about being on a team. So the story goes like this, uh, a gentleman from New Mexico, Um, uh, car breaks down, and it slides off the side of the road, and it's kind of stuck in a ditch, and he sees this gentleman uh, with a mule over uh, in the farm, and he kind of waves to the guy like, hey, man, could you help me? So that the farmer comes over and says, hey, what's the problem? And he says, yeah, my car is stuck here. Do you think you could give me a hand? Maybe we'll try to push it out. He says, oh, old Henry will pull it out of the out of the ditch, well, sure enough, old Henry comes over, and this guy is looking at him like, oh, my God, you're going to pull my car with that mule? Like, what? And he says, uh, he ties it to the bumper, gets the straps, and he says, you know, go ahead, Henry, pull. Go ahead, Michael, pull. Go ahead, Jimmy, pull. And sure enough, the, the, the car started moving, and he pulled it right out of the ditch. And, and the, the gentleman was like, wow, how'd you do that? Well, you know, that was amazing. You know, thank you so much. Why were you calling three different names when there was only one mule there? And he said, well, old Henry's blind. And if he thought he had to pull that car by himself, he probably wouldn't have done it. But when he knew he was part of a team, it was no problem. So take that story and use it as your own. That's a a great story about teamwork. And last, my last point, uh, or the last two points about uh, high school athletics, success and failure. Right. So much of uh, that happens today with kids devastated when they don't get it. They don't make it right. The tears, the this and that playing sports. You learn about success and failure, never getting too high, never getting too low. Right. When you win the game, you, there's not an overjoy or over celebration. So uh, success and failure. And lastly, kids that are involved in school do better in school. We all know that whether it is high school sports, music, uh, the mock trial club, whatever it is, kids that are involved in school do better in school, uh, and certainly I think high school athletics are part of that. So, as school leaders, as educators, support your student athletes. When they have a game, go to the game. Uh, greet your your student athletes the next day at their door. Ask them how they did. Uh, I had a number of the track kids tell me today they they got their PR. They like to say that I got my PR, personal record. So. Uh, Awesome, so let's support our our student-athletes, and let's also meet today's guest on the program here. Uh, I'm going to scoot over, and we're going to welcome in uh, Dr. Zayas. Doctor, come on in. It's nice and cozy here. Get my rocket book out of the way. All right, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming.
1: Appreciate it.
0: Dr. Rob was here in Orange County uh, this morning and uh, in New York, and he's heading back to Albany, so we're on a tight schedule, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the program.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate being here.
0: So, Dr. Zayas, you know, uh, he is the director or the executive director, fancy, of the New York State Public High School Athletic Association. He is responsible for uh, nearly 800 high schools and over 600,000 student athletes in the state of New York. He has taught, he has coached, uh, worked in high school athletics in Texas and New Mexico, and now he's a director here uh, in New York. That's a mouthful, Dr. Ross.
1: It is. Uh, It's it's interesting. You know, there's uh, 51 high school athletic associations in the country, and it really is an honor and a privilege to serve as one of 51 executive directors. Uh, When I got the job here in New York uh, almost seven years ago, um, I was the youngest out of all 51 executive directors, which is both an honor and a little scary at the same time.
0: Certainly in New York, too.
1: Definitely. Yeah, we're (laughs) the third largest high school athletic association in the country, so uh, there's some obstacles and challenges that certainly come with such a big state with so many schools and so many student athletes.
0: OK. And Dr. Rob, looking at your job is I know there's a lot there. You know, if you had to break them down, like what are your responsibilities uh, being
1: the director? Yeah, I mean, the. Number one thing we're known for as a high school athletic association is we run state championship mm-hmm. events. So when people attend a state championship event, they recognize our branding, they see our banners, it's on the tickets, it's on the medals, it's on the shirts. Um, so that's probably the thing that we're most recognized for. Uh, but the, our main responsibility, in addition to running state championship events, is creating all the rules and regulations that the student athletes abide by. Um, all the way from the actual playing rules um, up to eligibility rules that students have to uh, abide by, or schools have to abide by, when a student might be moving from one school to another, as an example.
0: Yeah, and do you work with the National Federation of High Schools to adopt those rules?
1: We do. We uh, we abide by NFHS rules and the majority of the sports that we uh, play by. Uh, right now, we do have a few sports that don't abide by NFHS rules, but the majority of the sports that we have do play by NFHS rules.
0: Okay. So, for example with concussions in high school football and we're in a legendary town known for football. Um, changing the rules about helmets and safety and all of that. Is that something that would come to your desk, that meeting that you might be in?
1: Most certainly. I'm meeting with an assembly member here on April 30th. We have representatives coming in from USA football uh, in Indianapolis uh, to meet with the assembly member that is looking at some legislation to impact football. So um, I I tend to deal more with lawsuits and more with legislation and insurance issues than I do with individual coach issues um, or questions. Um, but that's just my role. I do have eight additional staff members that, uh, that they, they get the privilege of working more with those coaches or more with those athletic directors. But a lot of my responsibilities deal with the legal side and, and the legislation that we're involved in.
0: I mentioned in the opening, uh, uh, Dr. Azeas is from uh, San Antonio, grew up in San Antonio, uh, spent some time in school in New Mexico. You were, you were going west. And now the jump back to New York, How? tell me about how you wound up in New York from there.
1: Well, I, I taught and coached in Central Texas for three years and went out to Albuquerque to go to graduate school. I was interested in getting a master's degree in sports administration, showed up in Albuquerque. Um, I had been doing triathlons in Central Texas as well and uh, experiencing a little bit of success. And what I mean by success is go to a race and Place third overall and make 50 bucks. Well, at the age of 22, 23, you consider that successful. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, exactly. Yeah. At the age of 22. So went out to Albuquerque to go to graduate school and and train for triathlons. And the reality set in after about three or four weeks that that probably wasn't going to uh, be able to sustain sustain itself for very long. Uh, So I started looking for a teaching job and uh, coaching jobs. And uh, one day went to 15 different schools uh, with resume resume in hand in an effort to try to find a job. But it was already late August at this point. No schools in the Albuquerque area were hiring. Uh, So I resorted to the newspaper and uh, started looking for jobs in the newspaper while I was going to graduate school and just happened to stumble upon a little classified ad for the New Mexico High School Athletic Association. They were looking for a promotions person. Uh, for the association. So I applied for that job. Uh, actually didn't get that job. They hired somebody else, but there was a communications position open. So they uh, they needed somebody and uh, I had just interviewed and uh, I guess I could talk my way through an interview. <laughs> so they uh, went ahead and offered me that job. And that's ultimately how I got started in this business of high school athletic administration. Um, now in my 17th year, uh, spending 10 years in New Mexico and seven here in New York.
0: Okay. And, and how did you see about this opportunity in New York, way out in New Mexico?
1: Yeah, well, anytime a job opens up um, for a director's position throughout the country, our national governing body always e- emails out everybody in the okay. in the country. I knew the former director, uh, Nina Van Urk, uh, from committee that I had served on with her. So I reached out to her after reaching out to my wife first and saying, what do you think? Um, but, good, good move. Yeah, well, I try. <laughs> um, and... Uh, you know, I reached out to her and said, "What do you think? Would I even have a shot at it?" Um, I didn't know anybody in the state of New York, had no prior contacts with anyone, and understanding that some of these jobs throughout the country, or I'd say a lot of these jobs throughout the country, can be a bit political. Mm-hmm. Um, so, understanding that, I told my wife, "I said, don't worry about it. I said I'd be the youngest person in the country to get the job. Um, we don't know anybody. It'd be great interview experience if I could go ahead and at least get an interview and see what happens." And uh, about a month and a half later. Uh, we accepted the position. I say wow. we, my wife yeah. and I, and uh, moved our family to upstate New York. So it's been a been an adventure and yeah. a journey ever since.
0: And it's refreshing to hear that story. Uh, I'm here in Port Jervis, 15 years now uh, from Staten Island. I, I didn't know anybody either, and kind of felt like, yeah, there's no way that this is going to happen because you have to know someone, maybe an in, get your foot in the door, something like that. So it's refreshing to hear that you got that position uh, coming from from not someone who was someone's neighbor or something.
1: Sure, I think the association wanted maybe just a little bit of a different perspective on things. And that's what I still try to try to do, even after seven years, um, is bring a different perspective each and every day. Um, I'm constantly looking at what's happening throughout the country. How is another state handling this issue? Um, at times I think it can be a bit annoying because it seems like with a lot of issues, I, I'm able to, to bring a national perspective to it, to say, well, on this one particular issue, I know people in Arkansas, or I know the director in Texas, or I know mm-hmm. what they're doing out in California. Um, so I, I try to bring those perspectives because I think it's beneficial when we're trying to solve an issue that we're not recreating the wheel, that there's, there's been states that have done these things, have, have really faced these challenges before, and, uh, and maybe use some of the things that they've done or maybe some of the mistakes that they've made to ensure that we're not going to make those same mistakes.
0: Yeah, smartly connect with other people that might, ha- might have done it. Uh, again, if you're watching the show live here on Facebook or even if you're watching it after, you want to leave a question uh, for Dr. Zayas or myself, please do so. Um, Dr. Zayas, you heard the opening comment about athletic participation and the benefits, and you actually commented that uh, that was part or you know, the, your dissertation with your doctorate. You know, what were your thoughts on the, on the opening comment?
1: I, I think the number one thing that I found in my research um, on the topic of the benefits of high school sports is that kids gain a sense of belonging right away when they participate in a high school sport. Um, and it doesn't matter what the sport is, track and field, um, swimming and diving, football, they gain that sense of belonging. And that's so beneficial for kids these days is to have a core group of friends that they can rely upon right from day one um and i think that's that's the number one benefit that i see from high school sports the more we can give those kids a sense of belonging uh the greater their attendance is going to be mm-hmm. the better their grades are going to be the less disciplined problems that they're going to have in school uh because they have somewhere some a group of kids a group of teammates to rely upon each and every day even though it might not be in season they're developing those friendships and uh and they're they're more comfortable they're more apt to want to come to school
0: yeah wearing the jerseys in the hallway there's a sense of camaraderie teamwork making friends traveling right yes. uh just had glens falls uh up, upstate new york the hoops uh, uh thing is, is the the girls teams there do the girls go to glens falls where do they for do? the
1: federation championships they okay. do yeah but for the NISPA state championships uh the girls are a hudson valley community college uh the boys for the last three years have been out in binghamton but uh uh, to the uh, to the happiness of the Glens Falls community, <laughs> the NISPA state tournament is coming back to Glens Falls starting next March. Rich yeah, it was a, love a rich
0: tradition, yeah, it was very rich
1: tradition. I completely understand why.
0: <laughs> cool, um, Robert. How about in your role as director? Again, you're new to New York. You're not new anymore. You know, we'll adopt you as a New Yorker here. Um, but tell me about your leadership. You know, bringing a different perspective, as you said. How do you use your leadership skills in your
1: position? Well, I just think, you know, there's, you know, I, I try to be patient and I try to be persistent. Um, and, and I think those two qualities right there. And, and lastly, uh, positive. Um, a mentor of mine back in New Mexico uh, by the name of Scott Evans, he taught me those three P's. And I think those are important things to always be aware of. You know, being persistent, being patient and being positive, I think are three leadership characteristics that... If you start each day with those three P's in mind, um, you, you know, you're gonna have a good day. I think being positive is probably the most critical aspect of that. I mean, each and every day, there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, with your job, with my job, with probably anybody listening, um, we're overwhelmed at times, um, but, but finding the ability to be positive and regardless of whatever we're working on, I think is, is something that one, one characteristic that I possess that I, I think helps me uh, when those uh, days get to be pretty challenging.
0: I like those, you know, my wife says sometimes it's annoying, but I'm going to say, no, it's persistent.
1: Hey, I've I've been, that's, uh, (laughs) you know, I just uh, had an opportunity to, uh, to, to spend a little time with my father. And, uh, you know, I I think uh, I'm, I've been persistent since I've been a little kid. And maybe that's the reason why I was able to get the position here in New York is that, uh, a persistent characteristic that I seem to always possess, but uh, I don't look at it as a negative as much as maybe a, a positive.
0: Yeah, no, it's driven and, and I, it absolutely is. Just talking with you, you know, you certainly look the part, you speak well, uh, all of those are, are fitting in. Um, we talked a little bit again in our pre-show meeting here about your, you're an early guy, you use your time in the morning and, and I'm learning so much from leaders in the show uh, one of the things I've learned is the importance of their mornings, their morning routines, their daily routines. Tell me a little bit about a typical morning uh, where maybe you have a meeting a couple hours away. Tell me about that morning time for you.
1: Well, I mean, if I have a meeting a couple hours away, if I, if I have a meeting in Buffalo or have a meeting down in Long Island, um, I try not to spend too many nights on the road in a hotel um, if I don't have back-to-back meetings. So for our state championship events, obviously, um. I might be in Buffalo for two or three nights for the ice hockey championships. I'm obviously not going to commute back and forth. But if I have a one day meeting or a few hour meeting in Long Island um, or, um, or Buffalo, I'll drive out and back. So it's not uncommon for me to leave my house at four o'clock in the morning, uh, drive out, and then uh, you know spend some time with our athletic administrators in whatever part of the state it might be, and then turn around and drive right back. Um, I always say that my wife and daughters don't mind if I'm sleep deprived, as long as I'm home for dinner. So, um, and I think that's, that's an important aspect of the way I like to uh, operate Is is my family's, my number one focus. Um, But uh, I understand my responsibilities and uh, I don't uh, don't take those lightly by no means, Um, but I certainly want to be home and I want to be home for dinner and I want to be there for my kids. And uh, so if it means waking up at three o'clock in the morning after going to bed at midnight and that's just what I do and uh, maybe uh, drink an extra Mountain Dew on the road but uh, i think that's a typical morning if i'm on the road if i'm not on the road um i like to wake up early and get stuff done um my my kids make fun of me that i don't sleep uh, but i have a have a funny quote that uh there's two types of people in this world uh those who are successful um and those who enjoy sleep so i think you know i i i you know it's kind of a funny way of looking at it but uh you know i i look at it that you you got to you got to be willing to wake up early and you got to be willing to put the work in. Um, and, uh, a lot of times I, if I fall behind on email, then, uh, then I will wake up early and sometimes way too early. Uh, but I think that's, that's a great time of the day to kind of get caught up on things, to get organized, um, and really get the day planned out. It's quiet. It's quiet. The girls
0: aren't awake yet.
1: The girls aren't awake. The dog's still sleeping. And, uh, when I send out 20 emails, I don't get 20 responses back. So.
0: <laughs> They're not ready for you. you can yeah, send them and go. Exactly. You know, it's interesting talking with you about that balance, about having young kids and uh, who's here? Brooke is telling you, Love. don't sleep ever. <laughs>
1: That's my wonderful wife right okay, there. Okay,
0: <laughs> yeah. You agree, Mrs. Yeah. Ayes, huh? Um, but it's a balance, right? Your own personal wellness. I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. Uh, and the balance of spending time with your family. One of the things I've learned it's about being present, right? When we're home, we gotta put these things away, the phones, the computers and, and be present, right? Cause your daughters aren't gonna remember that daddy was good at his job. Exactly. And uh, you know, I've learned that and my youngest is always asking, daddy, when am I gonna see you again? Or when are you gonna be home again? And uh, that's powerful. That's important in, in those hours, you know, to get that work done. Oh, it
1: definitely is. You know, I mean, I, I look at, you know, just how busy we all are as as high school administrators or athletic administrators and what I do um and i think it's important to keep that balance and and understand what the balance is mm-hmm. um and not just say it but actually model it and and show it um it, it's it's crazy to think that we've already been my family and i have been in new york already for 7 years and uh, how quickly those 7 years have went and how quickly the next 7 years are going to go so uh before i know it, it my uh my oldest daughter is going to be off to college and my youngest is going to be on the verge of going and uh and you're absolutely right they're not going to remember how great i was at responding to 300 emails a day as much as uh maybe what i was uh, good at cooking for dinner
0: wow <laughs> wow Robert. let's talk some more about your job like what are some initiatives that the new york state public high school is working on that you've got your hands in right now
1: well one of the things that we are constantly looking at is is how can we make our handbook easier um A lot of times the rules and regulations of our association can be complicated, they can be confusing. Um, I'm really making a push at, how can we make them simple and sustainable Mm -hmm. rather than convoluted and confusing? Um, So we just modified one of our practice rules um, in February and and met with athletic directors today in section nine. And they're happy with the change because it's going to make the rule interpretation from their perspective a lot easier
0: go ahead give Um, it to us well i mean
1: right now in the past or at the beginning of the spring season in order to represent your school um student athletes and teams you needed a certain number of practices Mm -hmm. as a team to scrimmage and a certain Mm -hmm. number of practices as an individual to scrimmage and then to make it even worse then we said you need a certain number of practices as a team and a different number of practices as as an individual in order to play a game. So we had these four requirements that just made no sense. Mm. Um, And they were different for every sport and even different from the varsity level to the modified level. And I asked the question, why are we making it so difficult? Why don't we just look at it a simple and sustainable approach? So again, looking at what other states do, um, did a couple national surveys, gathered some data, And we just modified the rule, which I'm excited about, is now it's just six practices to represent your school. No differentiation between the scrimmage or the game. It's just six. Now, there are four sports, football, wrestling, gymnastics, and baseball, that will require 10 practices to represent your school. And that's more of a safety issue. Mm -hmm. But in looking at that, that's a good example of taking what's happening throughout the country, taking what other states are doing, using it to our benefit, and saying, why are we being so complicated? Why are we making? it more than what it needs to be. Um, and that's another thing I really enjoy doing is asking questions of why and 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 really trying to figure out this rule was put into place maybe 40, 50 years ago. We're still abiding by it today. Is the rule still beneficial to our schools today as it may have been in 1975? Mm. And uh, what I'm finding is, is a lot of the rules that are in place that we have maybe worked 25, 30 years ago, but they're not working for the current athletic administrator that's dealing with different challenges that they couldn't have even perceived to uh, encounter 25 years ago.
0: Yeah, and being in New York now, you've learned about snow, right? 25 years ago, they didn't cancel school like they did. Now, they, on the weather, they're looking at the thing, they cancel it, you know, especially here in New York. It's, yeah. it's crazy, but those, that's a great example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and also, I mean, one thing that I talked about today and in, uh, in Goshen, where the athletic council was for section nine was our transfer rule. Uh, right now, when a student athlete transfers, we and they transfer without a corresponding change of address, meaning that they're not moving with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't actually physically move into the school district. We declare those student athletes ineligible in all sports for the period of one year. Um, and the question I'm asking is, is that the best thing for kids? Mm-hmm. Um, if they move without their parents, They move in with their older brother maybe there's there's issues around that but we spend a lot of time right now on waiver requests and appeals associated with a sub-varsity student-athlete that has no intentions of playing at the varsity level they're they're athletically not capable of playing at the varsity level as a freshman or a sophomore we spend a lot of time on those kids and the question that i'm asking is why Um, why don't we make our transfer rule restricted to the varsity level And if a student's gonna move without a corresponding change of address, deny them eligibility at the varsity level, but allow them to play at the sub varsity Mm -hmm. level, allow them to practice with the team. And it integrates them into the school district. It gets them that sense of belonging that is so critical. And it, it brings them into the school community, but it also has zero impact upon another school's opportunity of winning a section championship or winning a state championship. So really making the transfer rule and focusing the transfer rule on the varsity level which i think has been the intent all along mm-hmm. but again not making it so complicated
0: my wife i see your wife is watching here my wife likes that tidying show uh the, the woman on netflix here but it sounds like you're taking things that that aren't any good or old or you know don't bring joy to your life and let's get rid of them right those are smart those are smart changes i like that uh, And it's, it's again refreshing to hear that somebody at the top who's making the rules is is asking a simple question, like, why are we doing this?
1: Well, and I think that's one of the things when you say being at the top, making the rules. I can advocate for things, and I can bring things to the attention of the membership, but I don't have a vote. And, uh, you know, I I, I had somebody tweet at me earlier today, why would you allow this to happen? And uh, it was a pretty easy response back to the the, um, individual when I said, it's the membership who drives those initiatives. Mm-hmm. I can ask why, and I can propose as much things as, as many things as I want, but at the end of the day, the membership is gonna be the one to vote on it through our process. They're gonna decide whether the transfer rule is revised or not. They're going to decide those practice requirements, if those are revised or not. I don't have a vote, um, and I think that's the right way it should be. I, but I think as, as the executive director, it's my responsibility to bring attention to these issues, mm-hmm. and then allow the membership to go ahead and take action.
0: Great answer, Dr. Rob. I know you were just at the uh, final four out there in, in, in Minnesota. He was tweeting out some pictures. You went to the three point shooting contest at a high school. And, um, you know, there's a lot of attention in the NCAA, certainly with the spotlight of the NCAA tournament, about sportsmanship on uh, the behavior of the coaches, behaviors of the student athletes. Tell me about the high school level, uh, you know, sportsmanship uh, in general. Is that something that Comes across your desk a lot,
1: oh it certainly comes across my desk a lot. I think one of the things that we teach through athletics is that uh, that we're preparing kids for the next level of their life. we're not preparing kids for the next level of competition, mm-hmm. and I think sportsmanship plays a huge role in that is you know how are you going to react to uh, to an official's call? How are you going to react to uh, an opposing athlete saying something or doing something because however you react today as a junior or senior in high school. Probably going to flow over into how you're going to act when your employer tells you something that you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. like or a colleague of yours makes a comment that you don't necessarily appreciate? Um, We're teaching lifelong lessons in athletics, and and I think sportsmanship plays a huge role in that um, as to how you're going to respond to things later on in life. Um, So I think that sportsmanship issue is something that we as a high school athletic association and the membership of our association focuses on quite a bit.
0: That's great to hear. And I agree with you, right? The way that kid acts on the court uh, probably transfers into his life. We see that in the classroom. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool. How was the final four? Oh,
1: it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, you know, my first time ever going just to be in a football stadium, U S bank stadium that, uh, that seats over 70,000 people. Yeah. 72,000 was, the 72, most, uh, was, uh, was the attendance. It was just an incredible experience. And then I got the opportunity to go to probably three of the best games and in tournament history was just a, it was a great experience. Cool.
0: Minnesota was a good host.
1: They were. Yeah. Yeah. Never been there before, but uh, yeah, it was a nice place.
0: And I think uh, it's about 61 here in Port Jervis today. I think they're getting snow out in Minnesota. So if you're watching out there, uh, hang in there. The spring's coming. Yeah. Um, How about AAU? I know that those, it kind of goes back and forth between a tumultuous relationship, certainly in basketball. Um, Is that something that the New York State, you know, public high school athletic association, what's that relationship like?
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't say that we have a relationship. I think a lot of attention is constantly focused upon comparing us as a high school interscholastic association to yeah. AAU. Yeah. And one of the things that I try to bring attention to is we're not AAU, nor do we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, AAU, I, I don't think we spend enough time promoting the things that we have that AAU doesn't. Um, AAU doesn't have media coverage. AAU doesn't have parades when you win an AAU national championship. That's one of 19 national championships throughout the country in the month of July, for example. Um, AAU doesn't have pep rallies. They don't have principals like you that'll be, uh, doing crazy things during, uh, you know, a pep rally or something like that. Uh, they don't necessarily have community or or, or that, that fan base that follows them around and uh, will make banners. So I think we need to spend more time not talking about us, you know, comparing us to AAU, but really saying why we're not AAU and why we don't want to be. Um, we have all these great things happening in interscholastic sports that uh, we should be proud of and we should promote and we should focus on. Um, that we're preparing, again, preparing those kids for the next level of their life, not focusing on trying to get them a college scholarship. Because that's not really our role as a high school athletic association.
0: And you hear so much about the negativity of, of the leadership, of the coaches, of the, the guys with the shoes, and just so much negativity, whereas you know, you're know, you such a, a role model of leadership. Um, that was a great answer.
1: But I think one of the things that we also have to be aware of is AAU does do a good thing of, of – of giving those kids an opportunity to play mm-hmm. at times when they're not playing interscholastic, so it's not that AAU is bad. There's a lot of friends of mine that coach AAU or organize leagues and and uh, organizations within the AAU community. But again, I think we we have to look at why we're not AAU and why we don't even want to be considered in that same realm with AAU. Doc, we you
0: know I've, I've said Doctor Zayas multiple times, and I know that's only uh, relatively new for you, uh, but you have a great story. Uh, about how you got your doctorate and, and how you tried to get it done. You know, they say, how do you move a mountain one rock at a time? So tell me about your time management in terms of getting your doctorate.
1: Well, it took me 11 years to get done from start to finish. Uh, the very first class I took, my, my oldest daughter was a month old. Um, the, when my second daughter was born, about three years later, um, I, she was a week and a half old and I found myself in a statistics class, advanced statistics for the very first time in my life. So, um, you know, getting through the coursework was tough. Getting the comprehensive exams was was challenging. Getting the dissertation done was near impossible. Um, so the story that I like to tell is every time this time of the year, um, because of work and because of our winter state championships, I tend to get a little out of shape, but I, I don't work out as consistently as I should. So. A few years ago, my wife teaches uh, group fitness at our local YMCA, and she does a great job with it. And I made the mistake, and I emphasized the mistake of going to her class. And uh, the date was January 25th. I'll never forget. Um, went to her class, and she completely annihilated me. Um, she teaches like a real fast, up tempo, hit class with weights and jumping and stair stepping and. And I laid on the ground after I after she finally got done with about an hour of the class. And I thought, you know what? That was a great workout. I need to get more consistent with my working out. Um, so I told my wife as as we drove home, I said, you know, I'm going to start working out every day. And again, that persistence that I have, I, uh, my kids were just making fun of me the other day because I have a tendency of overdoing it a little bit. So I uh, told my wife, I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to just work out 30 minutes. Just 30 minutes a day it's not an hour it's not two hours just 30 minutes a day and i'm going to get into shape this winter is what i told her a few years ago um and i did that and so even through the winter championships i was on staten island for our our indoor track and field championships Uh, i had to be at the ocean breeze athletic complex at like six in the morning so i found myself in the hotel gym at 3.30 in the morning on an elliptical machine, uh, get my workout in for that day. And uh, after 75 days of working out every single day for at least 30 minutes, uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, if I can work out every day for 30 minutes, why can I not work on my dissertation? Because I hadn't started the dissertation. I had started a few times, pitched a few proposals to my committee, but never really got going on the dissertation. Every time I'd talk to my committee, they'd ask me questions I didn't have answers to. They'd bring up variables and factors that I wasn't considering. I'd get discouraged, put it away, and a month, two months, three months might go by before looking at it again. So I told my wife, I said, you know, if I can work out for 75 straight days, 30 minutes a day, how much progress could I make if I just do my dissertation for 30 minutes a day? And see how many days I can do. It's not going to get done with thirty minutes, but you know what? It's going to move me in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. And I think so seldom in life we don't look at the impact of thirty minutes a day or fifteen minutes a day of any routine, and just start moving in a positive direction. So I started doing it, um, and uh, you know, some days I, I'd pick up research, and I'd be sitting in uh, in my in the parking lot waiting to pick my daughter up from. Uh, gymnastics and I'd be reading research because that's the only time I had for that day and I read research and I'd look at my watch and read research in 28 minutes 29 minutes 30 minutes put it away and and on to the gymnastics carpool I go other days for the dissertation it would be an hour Um, and on some weekends the 30 minutes would lead to five hours and slowly but surely I made progress and ultimately uh, using the 30 minutes a day um, after 367 days, um, and it'll be a year um, tomorrow, I completed my dissertation, and wow. successfully defended it. Um, the workout streak ended at 382 days wow. when my wife and I went to Rome and I just finally said, I can't work out for 30 minutes a day in Rome, nor am I gonna try. Um, yeah. Drinking and, the wine. And, <laughs> uh, and, then, uh, and then 367 days on the dissertation streak. And and I really think that that's the way that, that the dissertation got done, is just one, by getting my, my butt kicked by my wife and her. Uh, group fitness class but also by just looking at it as not a dissertation but as just 30 minutes today and not as as a document that was gonna you know uh, consume close to 150 pages but it was just 30 minutes for today what can I get done today that's gonna positively impact tomorrow and by doing that just slowly but surely it ended up uh, getting done and uh, I'm now trying to get back on a workout streak because I work out for four or five days and I take four or five days off. Yeah. So uh, I got to get back into gear. But um, you know, that's that's ultimately the story as to uh, how I was able to get done with with a document by having a family, uh, having a, a job that's a bit time consuming at times, and then also trying to get uh, a dissertation completed.
0: That's a great story. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I'm inspired, right? Because uh, who can't find thirty minutes a day?
1: Well, and sometimes the thirty minutes a day comes at three a.m. Um, when I was doing the thirty minutes of working out and thirty minutes of dissertation and driving to Buffalo for work, uh, that's where it got a little crazy because I'd wake up at three, uh, work out for thirty minutes, then do dissertation for thirty minutes. Some days it was probably closer to twenty-nine minutes, but I stretched it to thirty. <laughs> then you know, get ready and then drive to Buffalo and back. And I knew uh, I just knew know the way that I operate. If I went to Buffalo and then came home and then had the kids and had dinner and had carpool. And had homework that I'm trying to help with. Um, although my kids probably don't want me helping them th- with their homework, that's another story. But um, yeah, I knew I wouldn't wouldn't do the workout. I wouldn't yeah. do the di- so it was just being disciplined and, and trying to to move every single day in, in that right direction.
0: We we like to say make the important thing the important thing. So Definitely. kudos to you and congratulations and uh, thank you. I'm inspired, man. That's cool. Uh, speaking of time, we know we got to get you. You have an obligation in Albany, New York, so we're going to get you out of here. Uh, let's go to rapid fire. Okay. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Buckle up. Here we go. Last book you read.
1: Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's outliers. Great book.
0: Great book. We talked a little bit about the red shirting. Uh, great book. If you haven't read that last movie you saw.
1: Wasn't my choice. Mary Poppins.
0: Hey, don't knock Mary Poppins. We (laughs) took my daughter on Broadway. (laughs) Don't knock it. Favorite place to travel.
1: I'd say probably the trip that my wife and I took to Rome about a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Incredible.
0: Incredible city. Yeah. The wine's not bad. It was good. You lived in Turkey a year, too, when you were growing up.
1: Uh, yeah, my father was in the, in the Air Force, so we spent uh, about two and a half years in Ankara, Turkey. Very cool.
0: The greatest challenge in your work?
1: Uh, probably just keeping up with the, the amount of emails and, uh, and trying to, to make sure that I'm, I'm responding to everybody's needs as quickly as I can. I think that's important to me is to, to be responsive.
0: Talk to text.
1: I talk to text. Yeah. yeah, I do a lot of talking in my email. Got to. Yeah, yeah.
0: I got to. Uh, something that motivates you is
1: uh, my kids. I, I think uh, you know that's one big thing that was nice when I got done with my doctorate was to have have my daughters there um, to watch me walk across that stage nice. and have them old enough that I think they could truly appreciate it and remember it. Nice. Uh, a pet peeve of yours is. Uh, rude people, I guess. Just uh, I, don't, I don't really think that there's any any reason that, that you shouldn't treat people the way that you, you want to be res- uh, treated and respected. I don't want to get
0: you in trouble being here in New York, but coming from Texas and New Mexico, the percentage of rudeness. <laughs> uh, I'll let you pass on that, but I know where I grew up, you know, we could be pushy
1: sometimes,
0: you know. Uh, best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had the greatest impact on your life.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Uh, maybe, uh, my running shoes. I, I got my, my wife bought a pair of running shoes for me. I ultimately ran the New York city marathon in, wow. in November. Oh, so, cool. uh, I think it had uh, everything to do with the shoes. Nice. Yeah.
0: That's the Spike Lee's last. <laughs> exactly. The shoes, man. All right. You want to share the brand here? You want to keep
1: uh, I think I was running in Adidas. Oh, you know? okay. So right. yeah, I didn't run very fast, but I ran. Hey, it's all
0: about finishing. I know your uh, your next purchase under 100 bucks that's going to impact your life. We're going to get a little commercial again. Rocket book.
1: I think I'm going to get that for my wife. Yeah. Yeah. We're going
0: to get it. Use that discount code, Murata20. Um, Something about the New York State Public High School Athletic Association that people don't
1: know. Uh, One big misconception or misperception out there is is that we're a state entity, that um, I'm hired by the governor or I work for. The governor, or I have an office at the state capitol. Um, we're a nonprofit organization. We're not a state entity, so to speak. So, um, we're a nonprofit 501c3. We really receive no direct funding from the state of New York.
0: Huh. That's I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. Uh, besides your job and your family, what is something that you are most proud of? Oh, That's a tough
1: one. I think just um, just being able to to do everything that we've done since getting to New York. You know, uh, it's not often that you can just pick up your whole family and move 2000 miles away um, and uh, and accomplish that the the way that we have. And I think uh, that I take a lot of pride in that. Um, it was certainly a, a, a risk. Um, we had yeah. a great life in New Mexico, had great friends in Albuquerque and to just pick up our whole life in a matter of about five weeks and, and move to somewhere we had never really been or spent a great deal of time um, and have it turn out as well as it's turned out. I, I certainly am proud of that.
0: Cool. Was your wife from Albuquerque?
1: Uh, No, she's from Topeka, Kansas. So we didn't really have any family in Albuquerque. So uh, it made it leaving a little bit easier, but uh, it it certainly was a challenge.
0: Okay. Uh, Something that has been a personal
1: or professional hurdle for you? That's tough. Um, I probably have to rely upon that dissertation just for how long it took to to really get going on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be able to get that accomplished, uh, I still consider that to be one of my greatest feats.
0: Um, Something about New Mexico that a New Yorker would not know about.
1: Um, I just think how blue the sky is and uh, how windy it is in the spring. Uh, It's amazing how windy New Mexico gets. Uh, in the spring, uh, late afternoon, you up have fifty, sixty mile an hour winds. Get yeah. out! And uh, as the coordinator of the track and field championships in New Mexico, that always became a challenge yeah. of, of trying to keep everything grounded uh, in uh, in mid May during the championship wow. season. And
0: what? Why the, what is it called the windy season? What is I it? I have
1: no idea. Maybe yeah. it has something to do with the uh, the elevation. Albuquerque is one of the mm-hmm. highest uh, metropolitan cities in the country. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was windy.
0: Short term personal goal, three to five months.
1: Three to five months. Um, I think probably just uh you know, get through the school year, uh get uh get the kids uh successfully through the school year and um and host state championship events this uh this spring.
0: Baseball, softball, track,
1: track, golf, tennis. Um yeah, we have uh boys lacrosse, girls lacrosse. It's growing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. my school, the the baseball lacrosse, we're not we're not there yet, but there's chatter. Long-term personal goal, three to five years.
1: If you're focusing on personal goals, um, three to five years. I have uh, daughters that are eight and eleven, so mm-hmm. I, I'm forecasting that the teenage years are probably going to be a little challenging with two girls. So, for a personal goal from a uh, from that perspective, I'd say just mere survival.
0: Mm. Teenage, <laughs> yeah. God bless with those uh, those daughters. What what are their names, Doc? You want to give uh, a shout out,
1: Gabriella and Olivia. All
0: right, if yeah. they're watching, girls, uh, thanks for Dad uh, loaning us Dad here for an hour. We're gonna get them home for dinner. Um, Robbie did a great job in the program today. Uh, how can people get in touch with you or learn more about uh, the New York uh, State uh, High School Association? Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, follow me on Twitter. You can actually go on our website and get my cell phone number, which is kind of rare, but wow. uh, I I consider that I want to be accessible. And uh, if somebody has a question for me, I think, uh, you know, having my cell phone number readily available, some people might consider that to be a little dangerous. But again, I think uh, the the public, our schools, coaches, administrators uh, have have a right to be able to get a hold of me when they when they want to or need to. Um, so my cell phone's on our website, um, but I, I do. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Don't have anything to do with Facebook. Uh, my Kids created an Instagram account for me. I don't know how to use it, so okay. I'd say our website and in uh, my Twitter account is probably the best way to keep in touch. Okay,
0: very cool, uh, Doctor is here. And you gave a great quote uh, before. You know, those who are successful and those who enjoy sleep. Do You have another quote that you live by, we yeah. like to end the show on. Yeah,
1: story? I think I'm always looking looking to improve. So I believe Winston Churchill said, uh, "You know, to um, uh, to improve." Um, is to change. Uh, to be perfect is to change often. And I think that's uh, that's one thing that I'm always looking for is I-, I hope we're not the same high school athletic association today that we're going to be in a decade. Um, I'm constantly looking for ways to improve, to tweak things, to modify, to revise, to amend. Um, and I think when you're constantly focused on improvement, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have, uh, you know, experience obstacles, but you're also going to uh, have, improvement and have progress made. So I think always looking for ways to improve is something that uh, that I focus on. And and uh, I think it, it's benefiting our association. And I'm hopeful that it benefits the student athletes that I work on behalf of.
0: I like that. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change. Awesome. Dr. Zayas here on Education Leadership Beyond. You did a great job. Thank Bob. you very
1: much. Yeah. Appreciate Thanks. you having me.
0: We're going to give one more commercial. Here's my notes. I wrote down a lot of great stuff from Dr. Zayas. I'm going to mark this here. And uh, with Rocketbook, it's going to go right to my Google Drive or my email. So a shout-out to Rocketbook for uh, sponsoring the show. If you are interested in purchasing it, uh, Murata 20 is the discount code. You'll get 20% off. Uh, We're going to sign off here. If you're a leader, a parent, you're watching the show, uh, the importance of participation in high school athletics uh, Dr. Z said it great, right? Being involved, the power of, uh, of belonging to the group and, and feeling uh, inclusive. Definitely. Yeah. So thanks to Dr. Z for tuning in. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a positive review on iTunes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at andrewmorada 21 And Dr. Z, one more time on Twitter?
1: Uh, just RZSNY at Twitter. New York, baby. All right.
0: Signing off, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in.